Good morning. It's good to see all of you, and now we're just a week away from Christmas, and it's always awesome to, we light the fourth candle, and next candle is the big one, and uh, that's going to be exciting. And it's always exciting, whenever I hear Wheatland Brass play, I know Christmas is really near, and they were great, always great music, great to have them with us. So I want to begin the message this morning by asking a question. Have you ever been waiting for something? And how are you when you wait for something that you really want? You know, waiting for something is uh, really important and can be so frustrating when we wait, especially if we're waiting for God to do something really significant in our lifetime. And what do you do when you pray and you wait and God's not answering? It seems like God's delaying. Well, there was a guy in the Bible named Zechariah who had a similar encounter with God. He was waiting, he was praying, and it seemed like God was too late. I want to invite you to look at the story with me. So let's turn to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, where we see Zechariah's encounter. Uh, As he waits, as he prays, and it seems like God is not answering his prayer. So beginning in verse 5, chapter 1 of Luke, it says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, And his wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So what do we know about this couple? We meet Zechariah and Elizabeth. We can learn a lot just in these first two verses that we read. What do we know? We know that they're godly people. The the Bible tells us that they're righteous and and upright, and they um, keep all of God's commands blamelessly. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, what the Bible says about this couple and how closely they follow God. What else do we know? We also know that Zechariah is a priest, and that was a really significant role in that day in, in Israel. He would have been very, very highly regarded in that role. It was a much bigger deal, and people would have respected that position much greater than they even respect clergy and pastors today. It was a big deal. But we also learn that their descendants, both of them, of Aaron. And that was a huge thing in Israel at that time. And so for them to say, we both are from the lineage of Aaron was really significant. Today, you know, in our, in our uh, kind of culture, people will do a family uh, study of their heritage. They'll try to research their family tree. And it's always interesting when people discover that there's somebody who they find that's somewhat famous in their family tree, how they often drop their name and their role. You know, like my great, 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 great grandfather was a general in the, you know, the Union in the Civil War. Or my forefather was uh, somebody who served in the Continental Congress. And we're just like, oh, that's amazing. In this situation, you know, the situation with them being descendants of Aaron, it'd be like one of you telling me, you know what, my forefather is George Washington. And I'd be like, oh, man, no way, George Washington. And so we have this couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth. They've got, it seems like, so much going for them. They're godly people, have a rich heritage, right? They're near to God. Uh, Zachariah's a priest. It seems like they've got so much that's working right in their lives. And yet there's a problem. There's a problem in their life. And so let's look on further in the passage in verse 7. We learn about this problem that they have. It says, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they both were very old. So here's the problem. They couldn't have children. And that was a big deal. 
even bigger than it is today, and it's a big deal today, but even bigger back then. It would have been really, really hard. And they knew the heartache and the yearning of wanting to have a child, and yet they couldn't have a child. And so in the situation, you know, I think about, you know, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and certainly they would have had to have prayed prayers. I mean, we know they're godly people, and, and he's a priest, and so certainly they would have said hundreds, if not thousands, of prayers to God, asking God to give them this thing that they wanted so desperately. And I know that there are some in this room today that have walked that journey like they have. And you know the heartache and the burden that goes with that. Or you know someone who's been in that situation and just the challenge, the desperation, the yearning. My sister and brother-in-law were not able to have children, and so we watched them, you know, praying and hoping and trying, and yet it didn't happen. It's difficult, right? And there can be so many other ways in which we experience disappointments in this life. And it may not be uh, the wanting of a child, but maybe you're single and you've always wanted to get married, and it just never seems that God brings the right person to get married. And so, you know, as you get later in life, you begin to wonder, is it ever going to really happen, right? And so in the situation, you know, in their disappointment, how does Zechariah and how did Elizabeth respond in this deep place of disappointment to God? Well, let's look a little further, starting in verse 8 in the passage. It says, once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And so how did they handle the situation? Well, from the passage, it appears that they did the best with what they could, that they kept on living life, that it appears in this situation that Zechariah kept serving the Lord faithfully in spite of the disappointment that we were experiencing of not being able to have children. And in the midst of all of that, God's hand found favor on Zechariah. He was given a great honor. He was chosen out of uh, a lottery, literally, to be the one that would go into the holy place to burn the incense and to offer the prayers of the people. That was a big, big deal for a priest. And in some ways, that would have been like God laying his hand on Zechariah and validating his ministry. You see, there would have been questions that would have been asked. And not maybe directly, but in people's minds as they saw that Zechariah and Elizabeth couldn't produce a child, they'd wonder, is there sin in their life? Have they not been obedient to God in, in some way? Is this a result of that? And even more so for Elizabeth, you know, the, the highest place for a woman in that culture would have been to, to produce children and to produce an heir and to raise them up. And that would have been the joy of being a fulfilled woman, but she had not been able to do that. And so when God gives this incredible honor to Zechariah, it's like God is saying, no, no, this is my servant. He's done nothing wrong. He continues to serve faithfully. It was an incredible opportunity because literally in that day, there were 18,000 priests approximately in that time during Zechariah served. And so literally it was the, small, the smallest of all chances that he would be selected. His name would have been pulled out of the hat to be one of the, the priests that would go in to make the offering. It was a big deal. It was so big. It was such a high honor that literally when you had that opportunity, you never had that opportunity ever again in your lifetime because so few had the chance to go in to make the offering. And so God demonstrates his faithfulness in the midst of disappointment to Zechariah. He, he's still showing his grace. He's still working in their lives and doing things. And, and Zechariah 
and Elizabeth are serving faithfully. You know, has God done anything unexpected in your life in, in a way that you were just completely surprised? I mean, I, I think about when I was a freshman in high school and the Kansas City Royals made the World Series for the first time in the history of their franchise. And I was so excited, such a huge Royals fan. And, and I told my dad I wanted to apply for tickets to the World Series. And so there was this lottery. If you put your name in and you gave them all this money for the tickets, that, that you might get selected. And we learned that it was going to be a 1 in 16 chance that we would get tickets to the World Series. My dad was a little pessimistic. He wasn't convinced it was a good idea. But I convinced him. He, we put an application in. We put our money in. Uh, two days before the World Series starts, we get an envelope from the Kansas City Royals. And my dad waits for me to get home. We open the envelope. My dad says, hey, before we read this, no, there's a good chance. Best chance is we're not going to get the tickets. And we open the envelope, and inside were two tickets to the World Series. We got it. We won. And got to go to the World Series. And incredibly, they won. Even though they lost the World Series, they won that game. It was awesome. And so God still is at work in our lives in surprising and gracious ways, even in the midst of great disappointment. God can do good things and special time, special things. And in this situation, God decided to do something even more incredible than honor Zechariah in this way. So let's continue and read on in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Let's pause right there. The angel, did you hear that? The angel said to him, Your prayer has been heard. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayers had been heard by God. But also, this is an announcement. This is confirmation that God hears our prayers, too. We may wonder, even in those places of disappointment, when we keep praying, but we don't hear. God hears our prayers. Prayers. And then the angel went on and he said, uh, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you're to call him John, and he will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. So he's, he's telling Zechariah, Your prayers have been answered. God's going to grant you a son. But not just any son. Your son's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's going to be a special child. He's going to be an incredible gift to you. And he goes on, he says, He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. And so up to this point, all through the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would show up on occasions, might be with someone for a moment, but rarely, if ever, had God's Spirit been on someone from the beginning from the moment they're born through their whole lifetime. And so in this situation, this is going to be a special child. Because the angel's saying the Spirit of God is going to be on this child from the moment he's born. And he goes on, he says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So not only is this going to be a, a child going to be given, but a great child, one who's favored in the Lord, but also even more so. He's going to be a great prophet, as great or greater than Elijah. Like, this is going to be incredible. And then the angel goes on to say, this is going to be, your son is going to be the prophet who prepares the way 
for the Messiah. I mean, what an incredible uh, gift that the angel is giving to Zechariah and to Elizabeth. He's answering their prayers. And in a way, Zechariah and Elizabeth represent all of Israel. They've been waiting and praying for a child. And Israel as a nation had been waiting and praying and yearning for centuries for a Messiah and wondering, is God ever going to fulfill His promise? And they seemed like it wasn't going to be possible. I mean, in this moment in history, the Romans had occupied their land. They were oppressing their people. And it seemed like Messiah was just so far away, if even ever possible. And so many were losing hope that the Messiah would ever come or that God would fulfill His promise. And yet the angel appears to Zechariah and says, your prayers have been answered. Not only your prayers, Zechariah, but the prayers of all of Israel. Because your son will show the way, will provide the way for the coming of the Messiah. And so in so doing, the angel is saying there's two prayers that are going to be answered with the birth of this son. Your prayer for a child in the home of Zechariah and Elizabeth, but also the prayers of all the people of Israel, that one would come and prepare the way for the Messiah to come. And so how does Zechariah respond to this incredible news? Did he rejoice did he worship in the midst of the holy place and the angel? Did he bow down in humility and worship the Lord in this incredible place with this incredible news? Did he rush out of the temple and go home and tell his wife what the angel had told him and, and set up a romantic evening and get started on this plan that God had for them? Let's see how Zechariah responds. Look at verse 18. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And so, think about this again, the build-up in this passage. Zechariah, priests of God, they're both godly people, righteous, upstanding, faithful. In the lineage of Aaron. And the angel has just come, Gabriel, and said this incredible message that God is going to grant your wish, and not only your wish, but he's going to be a great man, a great man of God. And how does Zechariah respond? He doesn't respond well in that moment, right? He has questions. He has doubts. He maybe even has fears. It's almost like he's saying, hey, we're too old. This is not possible, God. You're too late. How can this be? You know, when I was growing up, one of my favorite game shows was Family Feud. Did any of you ever watch Family Feud? It's really not so family friendly anymore. But back in the day, it really kind of was. It was fun. And you know what? When somebody would give the wrong answer, what would happen? The big X, right? The wrong answer. And it's like Gabriel's looking at him going, wrong answer. Zechariah, you missed it. Here was your chance, and you made a mistake. You know, good and righteous people question God, especially when God seems to not be answering our prayers, right? There's times when God does something unexpected, We still doubt Him. We still wonder, is this really possible? Sometimes when God does the unexpected, we question Him. We doubt Him. We don't always respond in faith and with rejoicing. Right? So Zechariah doubts and God answers his prayer. So how does God respond when Zechariah doubts Him? When Zechariah doesn't respond in faith, but in fear and in doubt? Well, let's move on and look. It says... In verse 19, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. 
And I've been sent to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So Gabriel's telling him, look, I bring good news from God. I am a representative of God. I stand in the presence of God. And God has sent me to tell you this good news. And it is good news, Zechariah. And even though you doubt, even though you question God, he's still going to make this promise come true. You're just going to be silent until it does. And so certainly we're told in the story, Zechariah is mute until the moment at which the child John is born. And so he's still questioning God and God still moves even in the midst of our doubts and our fears. Even when we don't respond in faith, God's purposes are still going to come forth. God's still going to bring his purposes to bear even when we doubt him, even when we don't respond. And so, you know, that's how Zechariah responds. And God answers his prayers. God answers Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayers. And how does Elizabeth respond when she hears what happens, when God moves in their lives? Well, let's look at verse, in verse 23. It says, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. So how does Elizabeth respond? Well, she responds in her disappointment by remaining faithful, by serving God faithfully, by taking her disappointment to God. And then when God does something surprising and unexpected, she rejoices. She celebrates. She gives thanks to God because she recognizes that God's grace has been at work in her life, that God didn't owe them a child, that God had provided something that they thought was not still possible. And so she responds with just this incredible uh, response of, of, you know, joy that God is doing this great thing in their midst. So how do we respond, you know, when God does something unexpected? Do we respond like Zechariah? Do we doubt him? Do we respond in fear or out of fear? Or do we respond like Elizabeth, who responds with this incredible joy and thanksgiving and rejoices in the presence of the Lord? Has God ever done something unexpected when you've waited and waited and waited for him to do something and you've almost lost hope that it's even possible? You know, maybe you have been single for most of your life and you wanted to get married, but it just never happened. And then in your middle age, you're like, it's not going to happen. And then God does something unexpected and brings the right person at the right moment. I have a good friend from college that was just this awesome guy and loved the Lord and Man, he was strong. He was an outdoorsman. He loved to be outside. He loved horses and livestock. And man, he was one of these really super handsome guys. And he wanted to get married, but he just never worked out. He ended up becoming the manager of a large ranch in Wyoming. And I'm guessing the chances to find prospective uh, brides in a, a huge area with not a lot of people probably were limited. And, you know, in his mid-50s, God did something unexpected. There was this woman who bought a small ranch next to the huge one that he managed. And beautiful woman, loved the Lord and loved horses. And they met, and less than a year they got married, and they're having the times of their lives right now. Incredible story. You know, maybe you've wanted a child your whole life, and that wasn't possible. And maybe you even got to the place where you decided you're willing to adopt, and you pursued that, and you thought you had a couple of opportunities, but then those doors just closed. 
and it didn't seem like it was going to happen. And, you know, in your 40s, you're thinking, this is not going to happen. We have a couple that are friends of ours that they wanted to adopt. And they kept trying, and it just wasn't working out. And in their mid-40s, finally, there was a child, a daughter, that they were able to adopt from China. God does some unexpected things at times. And we need to be ready. And we need to respond with rejoicing and with faithfulness in, in the midst of all of that. So what are the lessons we can learn today from Zechariah and from Elizabeth when we wait and we pray and it feels like God is disappointing us? So what are the lessons? Well, Zechariah, I think, teaches us that doubting God's and his promises can be as dangerous as rebelling against him. You know, there are times when we can commit an overt sin, when we take an action that we know is in rebellion to God and we know that that's disobedience and it's a dangerous place to be. But also as dangerous is when God does something surprising and unexpected and, and we doubt Him. And we doubt His ability to follow through or to make it happen can be just as dangerous as that situation. And yet how does Elizabeth respond in that situation? Okay, She teaches us to take our disappointments to God and to take our rejoicing to Him as well. She's the shining example in the story, right? So here's the deal. If you haven't picked it up by now, don't respond like Zechariah, but respond like Elizabeth. Take your disappointments to God. Remain faithful. And when God moves, when God surprises, rejoice. Respond in joy to what God is doing. And when God promises and what He promises, He will perform. Only it will be in His time and in His surprising ways. It may not be the ways that we expect him to or we want to see him move, but he will move. He will do things that are unexpected. So when we wait patiently, and we wait on the Lord patiently, when we trust in him in the midst of our disappointments, he gives us more oftentimes than we ever expect or imagine. Sometimes he gives us answers that aren't what we really were hoping for, but it can be beautiful. You know, maybe it's a new ministry. Maybe it's a new opportunity. You know, some uh, folks I know have lost a child or they've lost a spouse. And through their grief and their recovery and their healing, they've come to a place where now they're able to help other people that are in a similar situation. We had leaders in grief share this last uh, spring. They're able to lead because they'd been in a hard and a dark place. But God had brought them through and now God is using them to minister to other people. You know, maybe um, you've wanted a child, but you've not been able to have children, and you've decided you're going to serve in children's ministry. And I've seen couples serve faithfully, where they've touched hundreds of children's lives, and they've served in that way. God can do and give unexpected and surprising answers to our prayers. And so, I want to just leave us with a challenge this morning. What are you hoping that God would do in your lifetime that he hasn't done yet? What are you waiting and praying, praying and waiting that God would do? Is there something that you've almost or maybe already given hope that God would do for you? So I want to encourage you and challenge you to respond like Elizabeth did. Okay, Take your disappointments to God. God will receive those. God wants to serve us and to minister to us in those hard places. Choose to trust and depend upon the Lord instead of choosing bitterness or doubting God. And when God blesses, when God surprises, when God does the unexpected, 
praise Him for His goodness and His faithfulness. Now where does it start when we take these actions? It starts with prayer. It starts with us going to the Lord in prayer regularly and faithfully. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, take your requests to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this really powerful story that you give us from Scripture. God, we're grateful for the way that you're working. You were working in Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives, even in the midst of disappointment, their heartache, God. Maybe losing hope that you would do something that was so, so special. And yet, God, you did something that was even greater than they could imagine. Their prayers were for a son, a child. But God, you exceeded their expectations. You were working not only to answer their prayers, but the prayers of all your people that you might bring a Messiah, one who would come and redeem and restore all that was broken and lost, that would heal us from our sins and open the door for a restored relationship with a holy and a just God. God, we're grateful that you do things in ways that we don't fully understand or anticipate. God, that you're sovereign, that you your plans and your wisdom and your knowledge go way beyond what we can see or we can understand. God, you're working in ways that go far beyond even our individual lives. That you're weaving all of this together, God, in the tapestry of your kingdom. So God, we ask, because we know there are prayers in this room that have gone unanswered. There's hopes and there's dreams that have not yet been fulfilled. God, that you would continue to be present. That you would strengthen, that you would produce faith where there's now a lack of hope, and there's a lack of trust and dependence. God, help us to remain faithful, to remain hopeful, to remain a people that can respond with rejoicing and ready to move when you do something unexpected and surprising. God, we're grateful that this incredible thing that you did through John the Baptist, but beyond that, knowing that the next gift was the gift that would turn the world upside down. It would change eternity in our lives. So God, we give you praise. We give you thanks that your sovereignty, your wisdom goes far beyond ours. Help us to remain faithful and trusting in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So before we conclude the service, I just want to draw attention to a couple of quick announcements. Of course, Christmas Eve services are this uh, Saturday evening. There's an insert, a little card that with the times of the services, 4 o'clock, 5.30, and 7, as well as one service, just a reminder, one service next Sunday morning at, at 10.30. And this is a card, if you would like, you can hand it out, give it to somebody, invite them, a friend, a neighbor, a family uh, a member, invite them to come to Christmas Eve services. It's a wonderful time to invite people, and, and, they're, uh, and they're open to coming. Um, also, I um, want to let you know that we are still in need of some greeters and ushers, so if you can help out on one of those services on Christmas Eve, contact the church office. And then uh, finally, uh, we have a couple of wonderful ministries starting up in January, just giving you a heads up. One of them is Grief Share. Uh, Wes mentioned that in his message. That's starting up on the 19th of, of January. 
as well as, as well as Alpha, which we've been doing for a number of years, a fantastic ministry for those who are curious about the faith or have questions about the faith. That's starting at the end of January uh, as well. The last thing we want to do is highlight and recognize uh, some individuals you've chosen to become uh, members of the, at First Covenant. Um, there's an insert with their picture in a short bio. I'll read their names, and if uh, one of them or more of them are here at this service, I'm going to invite them to come forward so we can formally recognize them. Uh, Tim Iman, Micah Barabal, Richard and Beth Cunningham, and Tim Croker. So it looks like Micah's here. Come on up, Micah. So I've got a question for you, and then I've got a question for them. It's a simple question. I think you can answer it. So, Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Will you use the gifts God has given you to serve others? Will you share the good news in word and deed in our church and in our community? If so, say, I will. Would you please stand? Will you receive Micah as a sister in Christ? Will you pray for her? Will you serve with her? Will you care and love her so that the world will know that we are truly Jesus' disciples? If so, say, we will. Lord, we thank you for Micah. We thank you for the way you created her and shaped her. We thank you for the way she's already blessed our church. Uh, using her gifts and her time and her talents. Uh, Father, we pray that um, she would feel supported and encouraged and challenged and loved and accepted. Uh, And, Lord, we pray that uh, we would um, be open to the gifts and the insights and the experiences that she shares with us. We thank you that we have a common faith in Jesus, and uh, we thank you that she is uh, part of the family. And we just offer uh, this time to you, Lord Jesus, and offer her to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen.